Hi, my name is Sushika Seneviratne. I'm the Director for Sustainability for Networks for Ericsson North America. Will 5G change the world? Absolutely. I'm excited to see the role of 5G and connectivity is playing in driving a more sustainable and greener future. I'm Sean Kinney and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. But before we get into the 5G discussion, we like to take a moment to get to know our guests a little bit better by posing three questions from the Proust questionnaire. Are you ready for those? Absolutely, Sean. All right. Question number one, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Great question. So a few years ago, a series of events led me to go on this quest to find this perfect happiness. What I realized in the end was happiness is a state of mind where we are living in gratitude by growing and progressing and being service to others and doing all that by um, surrounded by people that we love. So for me, that's the perfect state of happiness. Question number two. Where would you most like to live? Definitely next to the ocean. Uh, I was born and raised in a small island in Southeast Asia called Sri Lanka. So the ocean always brings this indescribable serenity when I hear the waves, smell the sea salt. So definitely next to the ocean. And question number three, what is your motto? If there is a will, there's a way. I think every problem has a solution sometimes the solution is not what we are looking for but if we dig deep there is always a solution to any problem that's out there so shashika thank you for joining me to help our audience understand how ericsson and your customers are thinking about breaking the energy curve regular listeners to the show will remember that your colleague mike murphy joined us last year to discuss how operators can transition from 4g to 5g without driving up power consumption but here we are a year later and that focus has shifted a little bit maybe you can give us an overview of ericsson's latest btech report and take us from that first transitory step to where we are today where the focus is on efficiently and sustainably expanding the reach of 5g so it's been two and a half years since the previous report. So as a starter, if you look at the status of 5G networks today, since the introduction of 5G, then we have around 228 live 5G commercial networks globally. And in North America, 5G is expected to reach at least 85% of the population by 2028. So by the end of 2028, 5G subscriptions are projected to account for about 55% of all mobile subscriptions globally. So that's more than half the world population. So this uptake in 5G subscriptions has been faster than any other previous G. While traffic has grown exponentially almost 300 times over the last 10 years, operators' global network consumption has increased by just 1.6 times. What this means is that data traffic and energy consumption is following different growth curves. So as an industry, we have managed to decouple the proportion of traffic growth from energy use. So the increased energy consumption is not mainly because of increased subscription and traffic growth, but because of the deployment of new frequency band and network energy equipment. So this is good news. What this means is together as an industry, we have the opportunity to make a difference in energy consumption while the traffic is continuing to grow. Now, if we map these back to carbon emissions, 
the mobile networks represent around 0.2% of global carbon emissions. And our latest report shows that the if the entire ICT industry switched to renewable energy sources, then the carbon footprint contributed by these, um, the industry can be reduced up to 80%. So what this means is that the operators also need to transition to renewable energy to reach their, reach their net zero goals while reducing um, the energy consumption of the network. If you take this as an analogy of our homes, so if we upgrade our homes to run on solar panels, but we don't fix the insulation on our windows and make sure the thermostat is working properly, then we don't really utilize the full value. So the focus on energy efficiency is key while switching to renewables. Now, we can't talk about energy without talking about costs. So for operators to run their mobile networks, it's about 20 to 40% of their OPEX that's taken up by this energy cost. So there is this dual benefit for reducing energy efficiency. So while they reduce carbon emissions, there's this opportunity to impact their OPEX in a significant way as well. Now, taking all this into account, the updated Breaking the Energy Curve report highlights that we really need to look at differently on how we plan, operate, and deploy the network to scale up 5G while keeping sustainability on top of mind. And this approach is broken down into three pillars. Um, and we'll go a little bit more into detail later during the conversation. But the first pillar is sustainable network evolution. The second is expanding and modernizing. And the third is operating sites intelligently. So you referenced the three pillars that are covered in the BTEC report. Let's maybe take those one at a time and go a little bit deeper. So this idea of sustainable network evolution Right now, the macroeconomic climate is such that operators are spending billions of dollars to scale their 5G networks, and they need to start driving return on that investment, and they need to do it in a sustainable way to meet their business and internal ESG goals. At a glance, these might seem like separate things, but as you referenced, Sasika, they are related. So what are some of the levers that operators can pull to help meet these interlinked goals? Yeah, so the first aspect that, like we mentioned, is taking a holistic view to network evolution planning. So that's about taking into account both business and sustainability ambitions when planning the network. The reality is, Sean, that oftentimes organizations within the company have different objectives. And some examples of areas where traditionally where there have been conflicting goals have been around network KPIs, user experience, CapEx, OPEX investments, and energy costs. And with more operators committing to net zero targets and circular economy targets like prolonged hardware lifetime of equipment, for instance, this becomes even more complicated to manage all these different dichotomies. So simply said, holistic network evolution is about embracing more more aspects into planning and more aspects into how we operate the network. And we can also look at this holistic approach from a budgetary aspect as well. So typically operators have different buckets of budgets. So CapEx for future investments for network infrastructure, OPEX for cost of running the network, and then separate dedicated budgets for energy costs. What would be um, a better way is to view these budgets as a single bucket to base these decisions on a total amount available um, to maximize these investments to achieve these overall business and sustainability goals. 
where network providers like Ericsson can support our operators is to get more information from the network to make to base these decisions on. And the second aspect is to prioritize RAN energy savings. So since RAN products consume more than 75% of network consumption, operators really need to continually prioritize RAN energy savings. And to do that, it has to start with the network having the capability to accurately measure and observe um, energy consumption on a granular level. So Ericsson, for instance, has dedicated counters for 4G and 5G to observe the actual energy consumption on all our RAN products on a normal level. So once a network has that capability to look at this data and analyze the opportunity for improvement, the next step is to use network analytics to look at the impact of performance and balance these user experience, energy efficiency, and OPEX savings. Now, the final um, lever is to really having the capability to understand the special role of each site in a network cluster. And this can be done by applying different levels of observation. So two key observations a network would need to have is traffic volume per site and user experience per site observation. So if you look at, or if you start with traffic per site, we can use site analytics to create and categorize sites into different traffic segments. So the first segment could be sites that are carrying the highest traffic load of the network. So these would be the most valuable sites. The second segment could be sites that are carrying the next 50% of the traffic load. And the third or the remaining data volume can be categorized into the final segment with low traffic load. So this last segment would be where the most opportunity for uh, optimization for energy will come into play. And I'll, I'll explain that in a minute why that is. So once the most valuable sites of the first segment are identified, then operators can make sure that's where the most efficient network equipment and investments can be made. And uh, the second part we thought of, talked about when it comes to observations is understanding how the network performance is experienced by our users. So an example metric for this is looking at the downlink speed when the network is mostly loaded. So with our traffic segmentation, we can find sites with the lowest traffic volumes. And if we correlate this with sites with user experience and see that um, these sites have great performance, even in busy hours, this is an indication that these sites are either overdeployed when it comes to activated number of frequency bands or deployed radios. So this is an example where a more aggressive application of energy saving software can be used to shut down parts of the hardware or like uh, turning off radios or putting them in uh, sleep modes. Not all sites are equal, so they need to be built and operated differently. Okay, so think holistically, prioritize RAN efficiency, and do that with strong data-driven focus on user experience. So maybe now you could take us through how technologically operators can do that. Really help us understand how Ericsson is addressing these needs for performance and sustainability from a product perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So in um, 2021, we achieved 36% uh, energy savings from our delivered radios compared to our legacy portfolio. And that's surpassing a goal that we set to reach 35% one year ahead of our schedule. 
And so what I'm trying to point out here is as a organization, we are really focusing on having very ambitious targets in continuing to improve our portfolio even further. So between now and 2025, we have a goal to reduce our typical site consumption by 40%. And to do this, there are few key and technologies that's enabling this. So the first one is multiband technology. So this is essentially where the func functionality of multiple radios are combined into a single physical unit. So what this gives is the opportunity for a site to add more capacity and frequency bands um, while improving energy efficiency, site and weight. So I'll, um, I'll share an example. So the, we have a radio 6626, uh, which we released this year. And this replaces six single band radios with one unit. In the BTEC report, you'll see an example where we take a legacy site that has nine radios and it's replaced by two of these multiband radios covering the same frequency band. So in this example, the site uh, would have had 60% higher capacity with 50% lower energy consumption. And it will also have half the radio weight with you know, one third of the site, which will also translate into using less space on the tower. So the tower rental cost will go down and the total cost of energy, would, uh, total cost of ownership will go down as well. The other aspect is to use software capabilities. So we minimize adding more hardware into the site. Um, two examples are carrier aggregation and Ericsson spectrum sharing. So with carrier aggregation, what it does is um, it uh, moves mid, it, uh, mid band coverage gets improved with the help of low band. So by moving some of the data to a more energy efficient 5G band, the energy transport per bit can be reduced 10 times while improving user experience. And Ericsson spectrum sharing is where 5G can be deployed together with 4G on the same hardware. Now taking all this takes up more processing power. And for us to be able to support all this functionality, the, the key building block has been our Ericsson Silicon. So Ericsson Silicon is essentially a custom-made advanced ASIC. Because this is designed um, tightly with hardware and software as a core design uh, element, this really allows for all higher efficiency, smaller weight and size, and higher performance for RAN processing compared to you know, alternative solutions that's out there with like FPGAs or generic processes. Now, the final um, key technology element that we really need to talk about is massive MIMO in our TDD mid-band radios. Uh, this year, we released several ultra-light uh, massive MIMO radios for 5G frequency band. And over the years, um, we put significant steps to improve the efficiency of those. And we've um, reached up to 50% of efficiency savings. And um, we've seen this in our customer trials in live networks. Uh, we did a trial with Vodafone with our AR3227 in uh, central London, and we saw as much as 55% of reduction at off peak hours compared to the previous generations of this technology. So 5G massive MIMO is the most efficient machine we can put out there to manage high traffic. In summary, multiband radios, uh, 5G massive MIMO radios, software capabilities like sleep mode and Ericsson spectrum sharing, 
facilitated by Ericsson Silicon are some of the technologies that we have been focusing on to make mobile networks more sustainable. Hi, everyone. This is Sean. I just wanted to pop in and let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Ericsson, the leading provider of information and communication technology solutions globally. To learn more about how Ericsson is working with mobile network operators to break the energy curve and enable sustainable network evolution with the introduction of next-generation wireless technologies, visit www.ericsson.com. Now let's get back to the show. So those were great examples of how your customers are making 5G more sustainable today, but maybe let's look forward. Virtualization and cloudification are driving very material architectural changes in 5G networks, and it seems like the long goal here is is network automation. I guess operators are investing here for a few reasons, but the ones that are top of mind for me at least seem that one, the complexity has gotten to the point to where it can't really effectively be managed manually. And then there's this related need to cut secular operating costs without compromising your ability to innovate. Doing that relies on AI and ML. So curious to get your thoughts on how this march towards network automation and sustainability fit together. Yeah, so I think one thing to think about is sites have different traffic profiles. Sites have different energy consumption trends in different parts of the network. The challenge is to manage this in a way where we save energy, but we still keep uh, keep the optimum user experience and see different parts of the network differently when it comes to implementing energy saving protocols in a practical way. And that's where AIML comes into play. So the first thing is that we really have to maximize the power of data to boost automation. AI and ML is fed with data, and that is the only way to enable its full potential. So we need to invest in digitalizing all corners of the network. So access to data needs to be there. So the end-to-end ecosystem is there to see which assets can be leveraged and which control mechanisms that are available can be applied. And when we think about that, we really have to look at not only active parts of the uh, infra, um, network. So what I mean by that is not just your basebands and radios, but we really have to look at the passive in- infrastructure as well. So that includes our batteries, power supplies, climate controls. But the challenge there is the active infrastructure data is typically readily available through counters and you know network energy management platforms. But passive infrastructure is typically not a not data native. So this would require additional investments to digitalize the network, but this is an important part if we really want to utilize AI ML to make the right decision. Now, once we have good data coming from all corners of the network, then we can holistically design energy saving actions which can be applied on a site level, cell level, and you know, even on a simple infrastructure level to maximize the savings. And uh, we already discussed how each site is different and their role in the cluster is different. And this is really where we can leverage AIML to understand traffic profiles of different sites, different regions, and whether it's urban or suburban or rural. And um, 
use systems and platforms to apply different business logics to optimize for energy. And the great part about these AI ML-based energy management is that it can be extended to even site infrastructure and power source optimization. So as an example, right, if a site is powered with solar grid power and say lithium ion backup batteries, AI ML can select the best available energy source on the site based on costs and load and um, energy source availability. So for example, when the grid tariffs are high, it, you, we can use AI ML to use renewable sources or backup battery power to power the site. And uh, we demonstrated that with the Deutsche Telekom where they had a cell site that was powered with renewable energy combining solar wind and lithium ion backup batteries. And what we saw there was 17% on average, 70% of the site was um, powered by renewable sources, but sometimes 50% or 100% at times was powered by these um, renewable sources and which is a great use case and example of a sustainable site. Now, the last thing we have to think about is um, we need to start relying on power of predictiveness and that can be done through service management orchestration platforms that really manages all these automated automation um, applications. So if you think of it as like we have a toolbox with all sorts of tools and those are the automation tools we have and the orchestration platform will really centralize these automation applications to make these complex decisions to decide which tool can be used uh, at what point based on predictive models. And um, now something to really mention here is, I mean, it takes time to make these investments and update the sites. So while investments are being made to digitalize the full end-to-end -end network and introducing these orchestration platforms, operators can still start by applying existing RAN features like DeepSeep and microsleep where you know power amplifiers are shut down or radios are in low when radios are in low traffic scenarios so even this action can lead up to around 97 of power consumption at low or no traffic scenarios so if you stitch all these layers for holistic RAN energy management first is to modernize the network with the latest technology and then replace all equipment then we need to activate energy saving uh, sleep mode software features, but the challenge there would be that these energy saving features won't have a management protocol based on traffic changes. So we set them once and they just stay there. It's not dynamic. So that's where AI ML based cognitive energy management solution can be brought in to introduce more flexibility and adaptability. So with AI ML, different criteria sets and business logics can be applied so customized energy savings action can be applied based on traffic utilization patterns. So that would be um, the most layered approach where operators can get most benefit. And we actually did uh, demonstrated this layered approach with a, an operator in Indonesia called Indosat. And what they saw was around 20 to 30% savings in energy. And they were able to see OPEX and CO2 reductions around 4% while improving uh, spectral efficiency. So we've seen some real um, live network uh, gains applying this uh, methodology.
Well, you talked us through how operators can sustainably scale 5G today, how they can think long-term about leveraging data generated by the network to realize further sustainability gains. So maybe we can return to our core premise here, 5G as a force that can change the world and look at the customers, the industries that are using 5G. So Shashika, help us understand how 5G can be a sort of force multiplier for the sustainability initiatives of the industries that are using it. Yeah, so if you look at the ICT industry, it only contributes directly to around 1.4% of the global carbon footprint. But it's in a unique position that it can enable around 15% of reduction of uh, carbon emissions in other sectors, from transport to utilities to manufacturing to agriculture, which are actually the top four industries in the US contributing to CO2 emissions. So 5G and connectivity enables new solutions in these industries to fight, fight climate change in a way that we haven't seen before. I'll take uh, agriculture industry as an example. When it comes to the agriculture industry, there are many challenges from grain wastage to water wastage when it comes to farming. So if I start with water, with just 3% of the water in the world that, are, that is consumable and just one third of it or two thirds of it being accessible, water becomes a very valuable resource. And out of that limited water, 70% of it is used for agriculture annually globally. So that's around two quadrillion gallons of water. If you put that into context, that's enough water to cover the entire US in two feet of water. And that's the amount of water we use for agriculture. Now, farmers around the world use obsolete irrigation system that uses water ineffectively. So there's an opportunity there for improvement. Now, um, if you look at um, food, shortage when it comes to agriculture as well. So globally, uh, there's a big shortage uh, when it comes to food we need to produce. So um, there's a stat saying that to feed everyone sustainably by 2050, that we need to expand agriculture area in the world nearly twice the size of India. So we have different areas where, where agriculture um, needs support in order to be sustainable, where IoT and devices paired with 5G technology help in these areas is, say, we can transfer, monitor, and analyze agriculture data like soil moisture levels, pesticide levels, weather conditions in real time, and then we can use remote sensors and drones um, to look at, uh, to do crop inspection and automate farming processes, and then when it comes to water, sensors and monitoring devices uh, can help farmers remotely monitor and control the water usage in an effective way as well. And we've seen some real life examples there. So Ericsson worked um, with an operator in Canada called Saskatel, where an IoT platform was developed by a company uh, together with a company called Ingrain. And what the issue that they had was 60% of the grains that they were storing had to be wasted because the grains got spoiled uh, because of changing weather conditions. So um, when they used these IoT platforms, farmers received alerts no matter where they were. If um, you know, the temperature conditions, the humidity of the storages were 
changing and it was impacting the grain life in a negative way. So with this application, they were able to improve um, the life of the uh, storage uh, up, I mean, uh, the waste stage improved from 60% to one to 2%. I mean, there are plenty of examples like this in other industries like utility mining and building management as well. So uh, one other aspect to mention here when it comes to the ICT sector is um, another way it helps to reduce environmental impact is reducing the decrease of material use. So digitalization can help reduce the need for material use and substitute with physical products with digital products. Um, I'll use an example just to wrap this up. So we recently attended a conference in San Jose where three of our colleagues joined the event as holograms rather than flying from Texas. And just by um, doing that, we were able to save uh, 2,400 kilograms of CO2 em emissions. So that's just another use example, use case example, not just impacting industry, but extended use where ICT helps uh, environmental impact. 5G has the capability to impact sustainability in ways that we could never imagine. So we need to promote the use cases and um, the value of 5G when it comes to sustainability. So creating that awareness um, and the value of 5G and sustainability is the key. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective with us and answer that question. Will 5G change the world? Absolutely, it will. <laughs>